here at Planet Fantasy, Kyle and myself are, how do I say, children of the tube. We're big TV fans. Uh, We've watched so many TV shows in our lifetime, and, you know, we thought we would let y'all know which ones speak to us, which ones are essential, which ones tell you who we are. So this is Planet Fantasy, and this is our TV show's draft. Another episode of the Planet Fantasy Podcast. And as always, we're your hosts, Damon and Kyle. Kyle, how's it going? Not bad, man. Not bad. How are you? I'm good. It was just a day full of football shenanigans, crazy games. Uh, Crazy games. It's still going on, but pretty much done. Uh, You know, we saw Tom Brady win, which is nothing new, sadly. (laughs) Uh, And then we see Mahomes maybe maybe getting ready for his second back-to-back. So uh, it's been a good day. Uh, anything new with you? Yeah, same here, man. I I uh, <laughs> initially said just out of pure spite I was not going to watch the the Packers and Buccaneers game because of last week. But, I mean, I had to tune in. It ended up being a good game. I feel bad for my friend Jim, who's a big Packers fan. But, man, it, it, was, a, it was a good game. Brady, man, I just I got to give it to Thad. Like, Brady is on it this season. So, I guess we'll see. I, I, I'm excited for a Chiefs-Bucks Super Bowl. I think it actually might be a really uh, fun game. It's a great tagline, you know, the the current GOAT versus the future GOAT. So right. I'm ready exactly. for it. Um, But, man, okay, that's not why we're here, though. We're not a sports talk show, you know. We're not doing that. We're here for something much funner, something more personal. Uh, we're doing some really great uh, TV talking today, guys. Uh. Kyle, you want to tell the people at home what we're going to be doing today? Yeah, so um, guys, this is a treat. This is actually a a bit of a, like a re-upload. So we recorded this episode two, three weeks ago. Um, we've been having some audio problems with this podcast. weren't able to get it out there. And luckily, we've been able to get back at it, which is great because it's been a really fun topic. So we're breaking down basically our essential TV shows. Um, this is going to be a lot like our film festival draft. Um, just very much, not, maybe not what we consider like the best of all time, just the stuff that like resonates with us the most on a personal level. We each get four picks, which is an incredibly small number, especially when talking about TV shows. Um, and yeah, we're just going to break down just what makes them special to us. Yes, this is going to be fun, especially because we've already done it. But at the same time, I have so many more takes to go with it. It's going to be even deeper, guys. Even deeper. Right. Um, Deep. But for the list game, we're going to be going with the main characters of TV shows. So as long as you are considered the protagonist and essentially the main cast, uh, you know, you're pretty much the lead. You can you can be up for the draft. I mean, for the list. So, Kyle, start us off. All right. Um, let's go with uh, Walter White from Breaking Bad. All right. Uh, Sabrina Spellman. Nice. Um, almost a double letter like the other two, but Clark Kent, uh, Smallville. <laughs> nice. Um, Fleabag. Nice. 
Um, let's go with Leslie Nope, Parks and Rec. Nice. Um, Michael Scott, Office. <laughs> uh, let's go Jake Peralta, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Very nice. Um, okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> um, let's go with Eleanor Shellstrop. Good place. Oh, that's a good one. Um, let's go. Let's see. Uh, Adora, she ride the princesses of power. She's great. I was just she watching really that is. last night. Um, let's see. Kermit the Frog, Muppet Show. <laughs> um. Oh boy, let's see. Uh, Jess Day, New Girl. All right. Um, JD Scrubs. Good one. Um, Tony Soprano, The Sopranos. Mm. Aang, Avatar, The Last Airbender. All right, let's see. Uh, Will Smith, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Well, that was his whole name in the show, right? It was, yeah. Okay. I always second guess, and I'm like, wait, was that really, isn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's been a minute. Um, let's go with Frasier. Frasier. Nice. Um, oh, boy, let's see. Danny Tanner, Full House. All right. Hmm. Oh man, I'm blanking. Five count. Buffy Summers. Ooh, good save, good save. Uh, Angel, Angel. <laughs> Very nice. Um, Beth Harmon, the uh, Queen's Gambit. Excellent. Um, uh, Din Djarin slash Mando for Mandalorian. Very good. Um, very cool, very cool. Um, let's see. Wayne Letterkenny. Oh, very good. Still have to finish that one. It's great. The last season was really, really good. Um, let's see. Uh, Matt Murdock, Daredevil. One of your favorites. Yes, very much so. Um... Let's go with Malcolm. Malcolm in the middle. Very nice. Very nice. Um, oh, shoot. Of course, now I can't remember his name. Okay, guys. So I'm not going to say it. Because we, you haven't heard this episode yet, but since we recorded this last time, Damon got me onto a show that I've started watching, but I've only seen the first two episodes and I can't remember the main character's name. <laughs> uh, shit, I'm not going to go with that one. Um, Five. <laughs> uh, Three. Ah, oh, man, that two, fucked up my game. One. <laughs> you know what show I'm talking about, though. Yes, I do. We'll talk more about it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I'll just go ahead and say uh, Meredith Gray, Gray's Anatomy. Wrap that up. Nice. Um, nice. And I'm just going to go. Let's see. Let's let's Kyle. You're going to go first. Okay. And uh, all right, I'll get the turn. So start us off. All right. So like we said, we're breaking down just our four um, essential TV shows, just the ones that mean the most to us. Now I took a a page out of our good friend Crystal's book um, and our (laughs) consequentially our other uh, episode that has not been uploaded. Um, But she had a really good strategy in that one in basically having categories for stuff that she was picking. I think it helps in, in choosing things and eliminating things. So in the category of sitcoms, I knew I had to have one. Um, There's a lot that I could have gone with. I went back and forth between my pick and another one quite a bit, but I think I have to go with new girl. Um, this show just means like so much to me. I think it has definitely elevated into like what, what I like to call a comfort watch for me. Um, but like sometimes that can be a negative connotation because that just relates to something that I can have on in the background without really paying attention. That's only due to the fact that I've seen it like countless times now. Um, but it's still such a good show. It's so sharp and witty. Um, it's one of the rare like kind of ensemble shows where I could honestly say any of the main cast is my favorite character. Like there's a, there's a good argument for pretty much all of them. Um, but I mean, you know, I could say that, but then at the end of the day, it's always going to be Nick. Uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, I just, I love the show. I think the dynamic between all the, the loft mates is like second to none. Um, just the chemistry between all of them is, is on another level. Um, the romance and relationship between Nick and Jess is one of my favorites on TV ever. Um, I think that it's far surpasses, you know, Jim and Pam and Frank and Diane and all the, the sitcom classics. I think that it just from the get go, from the very first episode, the writers knew what they were doing with, uh, with them. But, uh, there's also, you know, Schmidt who's has a great kind of character arc from the pilot to the finale. He starts out as such a, like a douchebag and only cares about himself. And he ends up as like, kind of like the most compassionate character in the show. He's, he's a family man. So I, I love seeing his journey. Um, there's so many great side characters, you know, you've got like outside Dave <laughs> and, uh, just, uh, boss at her school, the principal, um, I, all these like just great kind of side characters that they do exactly what a side character in a sitcom should do. And that they are, you know, they're a, uh, in the side, they're not really taking stories over, but they still leave an impression so you remember them and you, you look forward to seeing them in each episode. And I think that's important. Um, but yeah, I had to start, had to start with, with new girl. I love that. I mean, we've talked about new girl a little bit on here, I think, but uh, not enough. Um, I just recently did a rewatch of it. Fell in love all over again with the loft and everyone there. It really is honestly, maybe the strongest ensemble cast, like from top to bottom. I think they all can really hold their own in a scene by themselves and then when you do that you get these amazing pairings when you pair them off um there's chemistry really between everyone um from jess and coach to cc and winston you know they're they're mess arounds of course <laughs> i gotta mention those uh jess and winston's a really fun one as well you got yeah. nick and schmidt which is of course you know such a great bromance right there they're so weird together you know <laughs> One of my favorite lines of all time. You got me cookie. I gave you cookie. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we're yeah. even, Schmidt. We're even. <laughs> oh, and then like the uh, what was it? The ten anniversary? The ten anniversary? That yes. was a great episode. I loved it. Um, and then even even Nick and Cece, you know, the episode when they're sick together. It's it's just super fun. Um, but you know, more than that, I think the storylines are so well done and so well executed. Um, the romance, like you said, it's, of course you have to talk about the episode of all time, the cooler, which really epitomizes this relationship, especially at the beginning, like that, just that pull that they have towards each other. Like it was always there, even from the first episode, you kind of saw a little bit of it. Um, but in that you, we really just see it just flare up and just yeah. fully explode. And then of course the later seasons, we, we get, you know, what I think is just as important of a relationship as Jess and Nick, which is CC and Schmidt. I, I love the, the, um, the development they go through together and apart and how they end up together again with their kid and married. Um, honestly, maybe my, one of my favorite scenes of the whole show is when Schmidt, you know, tells CC that they're having a kid, you know, yeah, so she comes good. home and the flowers are everywhere and he just can't help himself. He's just smiling, just beaming. <laughs> um, it's just, I, I love this, this show so much. Um, okay, Kyle, if you had to pick your three characters of the loft, three, you had to kick everyone else out of the loft to live with. Okay. Hmm. Who would you choose? Oh man. Okay. I'm glad you, I'm really glad you said to live with. <laughs> <laughs> this I love is a different character. answer. <laughs> I don't know if I want to live with some of them. <laughs> no. Um, man, I think I would go. Well, I said that, but then my first pick is like the most chaotic of all of them is Winston, just because what an adventure that would be living with, with Winston Bishop, Winnie the Bish. Uh, so probably Winston Bishop. And I also get to cheat that way because I get him and Ferguson. Very um, true. So Winston Bishop. Um, Honest, honestly, Cece and I guess Nick, because Schmidt is just too high maintenance. I, I love him, but he I just feel like he would be. I know a lot of people like him. And there was I mean, I have a friend I'm thinking of right now who I love to death, but I considered rooming with, with, with for a while. And the very reason we didn't was like, yeah, our personalities are too different. And I we would just stress each other out. <laughs> um and I think with with CC Winston and Nick, like the personalities are all really low key and like we're just kind of chill. Winston would still bring the chaos, and I think there would be still a lot of adventures we could have. But yeah, I feel like I could I could just you brought up the awesome episode where Nick and CC are sick together, and I feel like that's like that would be the vibe. Like we wouldn't always get along. Like Nick and CC don't always get along, but like we could just kind of chill together and you know just hang out. So what about you? Okay. Okay, let's see. I have to have Schmidt, to be honest. Um, let him be the anal organized guy, you know, keeping everything clean the way he likes it. You know, he likes to cook. Cool. You know, I'll pitch in, but let him do his thing. Um, I can deal with his his weirdness, his oddities, and just have a really, have, you know, spend the, his money that he puts in the douche jar on some <laughs> awesome weed, you know? so That's very true. Very true. And then I think I would like to have Jess. Um, I think Jess would just be fun. I think we would click on a really personal level. Uh, we'd, you know, have a great time watching movies and shows together. Um, I don't know. I think we'd have a lot of fun times. And then I'd have to pick 
Ooh. I got to go with my boy Winston. I got to go with Winnie. Um, like you said, he's just an oddball and like almost like the unpredictability of it, like mm-hmm. what's going to happen with them. While none of it's really going to be harmful or like permanent for the most part, you know, of course, unless when he goes too far with his pranks. <laughs> <laughs> unless he pranks you and makes you think you got evicted. I just watched the finale <laughs> and I forgot that that was him. That's t- <laughs> and they're like, him leave the loft. <laughs> oh my God. And they're like, you know what? Nope. It's over. It's already done. We're, we're done. We're going. We're moving. Oh, that's a oh, great man. episode. I think I have that like ranked as like my fourth favorite episode of the whole show. Um, yeah. It's brilliant. Really great, strong series finale. Really hard to do these days. Oh, um, yeah. Very hard to wrap things up. And it's in an otherwise kind of, I won't say like disappointing uh, final season. It's just not really like, I think there was such a wait between the season before and that one. And then it was so short. It just, I, I, I felt off watching it for the first time. I've grown to appreciate it more since then. And then, yeah, the, the finale is just, oh man, it's, it's a perfect finale. It is. I think it's a strong season, but definitely when it first came out, I think everyone was a little underwhelmed, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, but it's much stronger than a lot of other shows, I will say. So, all right. All right. Um, would you put this show above? So you're putting, you are putting this show above pretty much all other shows as your number one pick. Is, is that what you're claiming at least? Uh, so I'm kind of going four to one. Okay. okay. So this will, this will be number four, but yeah, other than three other shows, this is above everything else. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. And why is that? What's the main reason? Like if you had to pinpoint one thing, um, like I said, like kind of categorizing things, this is my sitcom pink. So especially thinking about other sitcoms, there are a bunch of could have gone with, but I think this one, we both mentioned it. I think it gets the dynamic of the group the best. Um, it gets the, the chemistry between each of them. I love what you said about the interactions between each specific character. Not a lot of shows do that very well. Like, I mean, shows always have the classic, you know, like uh, Friends has Chandler and Joey as a great pairing, but you don't see a lot of um, like Joey and Ross or whatever. Um, and so I think uh, New Girl, like that's what sets it apart is that like each character has dynamite chemistry with every other character on the show. And that's really rare. Um, and then it's just like, it's such a positive show. Like I, I I'll be the first to say like, I I'm no stranger to loving cynical humor. I mean, I love the office. I, I know Damon hates it. I, I love it. I think it's really funny and it's also very cynical and I I'm here for that sometimes, but especially this past year, like, we've had a lot of cynicism in the world. I think that new girl is a very just bright spot in that. Um, like it's just, it's relentlessly optimistic, which I very much appreciate. Okay. Well then that is a super strong pick for the first pick of this draft. And I guess that, uh, I'll go ahead and grab mine. Um, let's see. So I guess if I had to put mine in a category, I wasn't really doing that per se, but I, I love the idea and I always tell myself I'm going to steal that and do it. <laughs> I never do ever. So let's see if I can backpedal. Um, this would be my uh, coming of age show I watched as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the childhood show essentially. Right. So for this, this was very vital to me. Um, it was every, you know, pretty much I would watch it whenever it was on. If I called it, I was going to watch the episode. Um, and thankfully Disney was, uh, 
great. And they would a lot of times at least do two back to back. You know, they were good like that. They do a double run of this and then like sister, sister. Um, you get like a double back of even Stevens. It was great. Um, but this, my pick number one is Boy Meets World. You mm. know, the story of Corey Matthews. We see him pretty much, I think, from sixth grade, sixth or seventh, all the way to, I think, graduating college. And that was the last episode. Which, uh, speaking of great series finales, whew, Ooh, so good. I don't ever think about it, but now that I think about it, maybe one of the best series finales. Yeah, it's like, up there. For sure. It's perfect. I don't like remember anything weak about it. And then, of course, the little baby brother popping up and give him the speech. Oh, I love it. Um, there's so many great moments of the show, so many great actors and characters. You got Corey Matthews. He's very neurotic and goofy. Um, we see him grow from like this kid who's really into sports into a guy who's really kind of just a little goofy and, and learning that he really kind of wants to be a teacher. Um, and then Topanga who, you know, he later marries, he, he kind of has this, will they, won't they dating, not dating throughout the whole series. Um, you know, her name is synonymous with the great, you know, Topanga. Um, <laughs> it's great. Uh, everyone loves her. And then you got Eric, the brother who we see going from this, you know, pretty cool guy in high school into this guy who seems not all there. He, he's just a, uh, he's a little almost too goofy, um, which is honestly my, one of the only complaints I have about the show towards the later seasons uh, for the most part. Um, but you have a great, you know, supporting cast. You have, the parents, you have the sister, you have Feeny, one of my favorite uh, teachers ever, you know, and just thought of that. We need to do that for an episode. Mm, no teachers. Yeah. That'd be great. Uh, learn something. And then uh, there's so many more. There's Jack, the half brother of Sean, who Sean is the best bro- uh, friend of Corey. Uh, of course, I've talked about in length on our TV friendships draft. Uh, they're my favorite, my favorite bromance, I think. And, <laughs> I just love the dynamic they have. You know, Corey's kind of like in that an actual middle class family, you know, living that life. It's very privileged. And then his friend Sean is like, you know, in the trailer park, living kind of down on his luck, but never lets it keep him down. You know, he's very confident and just always going with the flow. And I, I love seeing them grow throughout the years. And they're always there for each other. I, I love it. Um, Kyle, how do you feel about Boy Meets World? Yeah, man, this is a uh, this is a solid pick. Um, I think so. This one also I've been rewatching, not necessarily beginning to end, but I I I guess I forgot it was on Disney Plus for a second, and so once I found it again, I've just been kind of going back and watching some favorite episodes. Um, I just rewatched the I think it's like season three. It's Corey's freshman year, and it's the one where he gets turned down for like the double date with Eric and. Uh, his girlfriend and her cousin. And so he decides, you know, like I'm, I'm not safe. I'm dangerous. And he, and then Feeney is kind of going through the same thing with Mr. Turner and like his perception of him. So they kind of like team up and go to this roller coaster to prove that they're like, they're dangerous. They're living on yes. the air. Oh, it's so, I forgot how funny the roller coaster it is. episode. Oh my God. So good. You see, you know, you, they go on this crazy ride, and then w- when they start the ride, Corey is in front, Feeney is behind him, and it comes back, and it's just on, and they've switched spots, and their mouths are just hanging open. It's like you forget how funny the actors were. Like 
Ben Savage at such a young age was incredible. He was so funny. And uh, I, dang, I forget his name. William something who plays George Feeney is also like incredibly funny. Um, but like we talk about him being like one of the best teachers. And I agree. But he's also just like, uh, I don't know. He's like willing to do things with Corey like that because he is also human and comes to these kind of like resentments with Turner and stuff. And I love that. Like all the characters are just very human. And Eric is Eric is the best. Sean is definitely my favorite character. I think he's writer strong. His performance is like pitch perfect in the entire show. But yeah, this is this is a solid first pick. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I mean, I could watch it over and over again. And I really have like, you know, Growing up as a kid watching syndicated TV, like I said, I'd watch it every day I could. And now that I have it available on Disney Plus, I have already, you know, I think watch at least half of it when it first came out on Disney Plus. And I'm probably going to do a whole rewatch and recap this year because I just love the show. Um, Yes. Keep the TV uh, recaps coming. <laughs> yeah, so many. I, I love them. I just did a Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I love Nine-Nine. But, uh, Nine-Nine? Before we get to, to more about talking about this pick, uh, we're going to go to a quick break. All right, and we are back from break. Uh, we were just breaking down Damon's first pick, which is uh, Boy Meets World. So do we have any uh, final thoughts on that one? Oh, man, I have so many final thoughts on that one, man. <laughs> I could talk about so many episodes. I mean, I talked about the really important one with Corey and, and Sean when Sean kind of was getting joined into a cult, you know, mm-hmm. with uh, and then Turner was uh, with this motorcycle accident. That was a super serious in, uh, incident and episode. Then, of course, you have the amazing arc over, I think it was like, I don't know how many episodes, like six or seven Um where they went to the ski lodge, you know, and Corey hurts his ankle and him and Lauren kind of have their kind of weird fling and and Corey have the breakup and they're dating different people. That whole arc is while I hate watch. Like I hate it. I feel like I always didn't want to watch it because I hated what was happening because I, I am like Corey and Topanga are my OTP. Oh yeah. Like no, out of everyone who belongs to together, they belong together. And so I hated it, but it's such a good story. So well done. Um, yeah. So do you have any other thoughts about it? No, I just, I agree. Like, I, I'm glad you mentioned the Colt episode. <laughs> it's such a, like, I think that's an only episode that can work in the nineties because it was just really out there. <laughs> but it's got, Yeah, exactly. It's got some of the most heart in the entire show though. I mean, the, the moment when Corey like hugs Sean, he's like, this is a hug. This is what a hug feels like that that hits me every time I watch it. I mean, just it's again, a testament to, to Ben Savage and writer strong, like at that age, that was, I mean, that was early in the show. So they were still pretty young um, to, to nail that scene was a really impressive. And I also love the, the dynamic between Mr. Turner and Sean in that episode and really in the whole show. Um, really the show just gets like relationships down in a really, really great way. So that's awesome. All right, so I guess that leads to my second pick. All right, sir. So uh, going back to this backpedaling category business, (laughs) this one would be my sitcom slash comedy show. Okay. Okay, So this is straight up funny gags, physical comedy. You know, this is for the the laughter, right? Well, this show does that really well. 
but it also just punches you in the gut and makes you cry without even realizing it. Um, I'm talking about Scrubs. Yeah. By Bill Lawrence. Uh, ran for eight eight years. Did not run nine years. Eight years. Yeah, definitely eight. Uh, eight great seasons. And, um, you know, I just, I don't, I, I really would love to know why they decided to make that decision to call it Scrubs Season 9 instead of what they were, you know, the Scrubs Academy or whatever it was going to be called. Scrubs Interns. Yeah, Scrubs Interns. Like, I feel like that would have been a good turn because I kind of like the characters, not going to lie. The writing just was a little stiff, though. But I think you know, it could have worked because Dave Franco was good and it was fun seeing him in an early role. But yeah, I agree. It, attacking it on to what was a perfect finale is just kind of, it's a bummer. Yep. Another perfect finale goes like, <laughs> I think that's a through line in our shows for the most part. Like, you know, not only are these shows great throughout, but like the ending just hits. And like, I feel like it adds an extra layer of, of this to the show, you know, uh, yeah. especially for scrubs, like that walk through the, the hallway, everyone there. Oh, so oh man. So good. Um, but you know, more than that, we get so much stuff that can be we can be, relate to. So many different couples and relationships that happen and spark up and then fail. You know, you see, you know, them really getting into it and arguing, like getting into the crux of you know how, what happens when two people who can be very different or very similar get together and what's going to uh, go down. I think Scrubs does a really good job of that. Um, Maybe more so than a lot of other shows, you know. I wouldn't say more than all, but definitely most. Um, and of course, this show also has one of my other favorite bromances, Turk and JD. Your favorite Hello. guy, love. <laughs> um, you know Zach Braff and uh, Donald Faison. I love them. Uh, of course, their podcast, which I really need to catch up on. <laughs> I was waiting for them to catch up with me, and now I need to catch up with them. <laughs> um they just recap every episode and they're hilarious um you know i just think the show always makes me laugh and always hits me where i need to get hit you know it's emotionally poignant without shoving it in your face um and i just really relate to all the characters from from dr cox who just is a cynical asshole and kind of wants to give up but really doesn't you know he just keeps on plugging you got JD, JD, who's like this kind of naive, naive at the beginning and very cocky, but uh, very almost insecure in a way. Like he, he never admits it, but he's always, always pining for uh, people to admire him and respect him and, and you know, ad- adulation. So he was always wanting that security like that. Um, Carla is, of course, one of my favorite characters who I don't think gets enough credit. Uh, the mother hen, you know. She's super fun and she's always there to lend a hand for everyone. Um, but she's never going to pity you. She's always going to tell you what it's, what it's like. Um, and Turk is just, he's got so much swag. Like he's so much fun. He, he's always believing in himself. He's always dancing, always singing. Um, I don't know. I just love his vibe. I'm always going to ride with Donald Faison from, from, uh, from clueless to scrubs to, it's everything. He's got to get that Star Wars role, man. So how do you feel about Scrubs? Yeah, uh, this is definitely ranks high on the sitcoms, too. This is one that I went back and forth a lot between this and New Girl. Um, I, 
the, the podcast has really like the rewatch podcast has really um, reignited my love for it. Um, I didn't watch this when it aired. You know, I caught it kind of late on Hulu, but uh, I kind of watched it all the way through once and, and really liked it. And then I hadn't really revisited it outside of maybe like the musical episode or stuff like that. And then with the rewatch podcast, I'm not like watching it episode for episode with them, but I'm coming. I'm trying to catch up as much as I can because it's just like every time they talk about it, it's really fun to see a cast who very clearly like loved the show that they worked on and still do like the show ended, uh, what, like 2009, 2010. Um, and now like 10 years later, they're, they're still talking about it and they still very clearly like love it. And that's, that's really cool to see. Um, and you can tell in the show, like they, they clearly are just on fire in every episode. Zach Braff is just crushes it with the physical comedy. Um, just all the gags that and all of his like you know his fantasies and stuff he is always great i agree about donald i think turk i go back and forth between turk and cox for my favorite character um but turk was my favorite character first like cox kind of grew on me and especially with kind of the later stuff that happens with him he has a lot of the big emotional moments in the show but turk was the first character i was like man i love this dude just everything he does is super funny he's got such a positive energy about him um yeah, I just I love all of them. I agree about Carla, dude. She is definitely the most underrated character. I think she is the glue that holds not only like the group of, <laughs> together, but like the whole hospital together. Honestly, I mean, she just she keeps everyone in check. She's the only person that really that Cox respects and like fears a little bit. <laughs> so she knows how to keep him in line when he's being too mean. Um I love the relationship with her and Bambi <laughs> with her and JD. It's so, it's so great. I mean, it's just the way all the characters grow and develop like this, these relationships with each other is awesome. I didn't even mention Elliot. I mean, she's also great. I, I, I like the relationship between the two, two of them, you know, her and JD. I don't think it's as strong as the others we've talked about, but I still think it's, it's a really good one, especially when you bring in the stuff with like Sean, nobody cares, Sean uh <laughs> and kim and all that like the, i think their relationship is really really well done and she also sarah chalk just crushes it with the physical comedy like almost as much as zach braff honestly um they're both great though yes uh sarah chalk is an amazing actress and i'm so glad she's getting, getting so many shows right now like rick and morty she's i think she has a new show on netflix now um mm-hmm. she's doing some other voice acting um i love to see it such a good show. And like you said, you know, it's between Turk and Cox for me too, as well for my favorite uh, character. I think I lean Cox. I think I just love a wordsmith, you know, guy with a silver tongue. He can just spit words at a mile a minute. (laughs) And with the facial expressions he's got going and his hands going this way and that way over here, over there. And he just looks like he's about to blow a gasket every single time. And you're just like, okay, this is it. He's going to just kind of just literally blow up. You know, <laughs> but it never actually happens. But uh, I just adore this show. So uh, I don't know if you could pick any specific moment that you would show someone to get them pulled into the show. What would it be? Um, This is kind of a weird one, because I think when you think about the show, there are very big ones that you can think of. I, I would go with I can't even I don't even remember what episode maybe it's i think it's season two the 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 premiere because is it so the one of the finales i think it's the season one finale is the one where jordan like drops all the bombshells on everyone and kind of like breaks up the group pretty much um and then season two has this really cool like musical montage of colin 
uh, what's his name, Colin Hay, playing Overkill, which is a great song. And obviously the show does a great job of utilizing just really great music. Um, but he's like just crushing it on his guitar. And like we're seeing kind of all the different the show does this so well in like all of their episodes, but all of the different kind of relationships and dynamics kind of converge and we get to see in like this visual way without any dialogue as the song is playing, how they're progressing, right? Like we see Cox trying to talk to Carla uh, after she's found out that he's kind of like in love with her and she's like ignoring him. And then he sees Jordan walking and you see Carla start to soften a little bit and all that's done with no dialogue. And it's just really like, it's very, very well done. Um, And then of course you get the, (laughs) the ending, which is the best part. And you see Colin in real life playing the guitar outside sacred heart and Cox just walks past him, grabs the guitar and absolutely destroys it. Oh yes. Uh, There's nothing better than a good Cox uh, rage quit. I mean, I just, it's the best. So what about you? Are there any like specific moments that jump out at you? Hmm. Man, like, I don't know if maybe one specific moment, just more so a compilation of all the jump away, like dream dreams from Bambi, you know, Mm. from Dreamland. you know, like when Bambi's like literally dressed up as Bambi and getting hit (laughs) and uh, when they're dressed up as pimps and just walking down, you know, and uh, guy love, you know, it's just Mm. all those little clips that are just, you know, absurd and surreal. I think, I, th- I love when Scrubs is able to do that because I don't know, like the show really is kind of serious, you know, they're actual doctors and nurses and they're doing their thing and they're just funny people. And then you have all these crazy, like physical gags happening to Elliot all the time, just getting <laughs> knocked over constantly. Oh, and, and then like JD just going off into his own head and, and showing us what's happening, you know, family guy style, but better. Um, yeah, that's shade, but um, yeah. <laughs> we don't care. We don't like Family Guy. It's it's Scrubs all day. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just love Scrubs. So that's my second pick. And uh, so Kyle, what's going to be yours? Um. Okay. Also, really, I want to note too. Uh, Scrubs says one of the best, if not the best, musical episode of a show ever. I said it. It's the best. I love it. Um. Anyway, <sighs> that's a tough one because Buffy goes hard in the power. Oh. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm oh, so yeah, excited. that's right. You're behind. Yeah, I know I'm super close though, so I'm really excited for it because that's what a lot of people say is that that's the best one. Hey, and I'll go, I will say, Psych Psych has a really great musical episode too. Hey Kyle, yeah. you hear that? You, you're it's the bells. It's the bells of shame. I'm ringing the bells of shame. <laughs> the bells of shame. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm so behind. I'm gonna catch up. I promise. Um, <laughs> okay, so for my second pick moving from you know the, the sitcom pick to this is my sci-fi pick uh i love the sci-fi genre we had a whole episode where we both kind of dove into what our sci-fi show would look like um i think it's pretty safe to say it's my favorite genre you know across any medium movies television whatever um and i think this show while maybe not I, th- I don't think it like broke ground for the genre. I think that it kind of redefined it and it also displays everything that's great about sci-fi. So I'm talking about the show uh, fringe. Um, the show aired on Fox from 2008 to 2013. Um, it's compared to the X-Files a lot, um, which is fair. I think the X-Files is a great show on its own. I would say the X-Files walked so fringe could run. <laughs> um, and I think that it's just, Again, it's like it's kind of everything that a sci-fi show or movie or whatever should be. 
it explores these really cool concepts. Basically, the idea is that um, Olivia Dunham is an FBI agent who is assigned to this kind of new branch called the Fringe Division, which basically deals with fringe science, you know, all the the sci-fi kind of science, right? Like um, alternate dimensions and mutation and time travel and all the stuff that, you know, you love watching in movies and stuff, not, not regular FBI cases. Um, she's paired up with Dr. Walter Bishop, who's kind of like the leading scientist in this division. He is incarcerated when the show begins. Um, you'll, you'll find, you find out throughout the course of the show why. Um, and so she has to get him out and his son also, she connects with, they're estranged, but she needs his help as well. And so it's kind of about the three of them exploring this new world of, of science that Walter does know a lot about, but all three of them are really experiencing like uncharted territory. Um, and like I said, it, it does such a good job. So in the first season, it really is week by week, episode by episode, very uh, serialized, like it's kind of case of the week. And it's really fun because you get to see just crazy concept after another. Um, the first episode has this incredible opening sequence of, I'll just say in case you're listening, you haven't seen it. I know Damon hasn't seen it. It's just involves involves a plane and what happens to the people on the plane. It's the very first scene of the show. And I remember the first time I'd seen the show, my dad and I were watching it together and we looked at each other and we were like, that was the first scene. What is this show? (laughs) It is like, it's bizarre. It's legitimately like scary. I mean, the show gets actually very terrifying at points and yeah, it's just, it's a great way to open the show, but it's just, it's sci-fi at its best. Like I said, season one is more serialized. And then once you get to seasons two through five, it gets more to a like season wide arcs and you get to a kind of a bigger picture, which works. It definitely does a great job of shifting like that. But uh, that's not to say like the, the cast is also just fantastic. Um, Anna Torv is really great as Olivia Dunham. I've only ever seen her in one other thing and that's Mindhunter, but she's also great in that. Um, Walter Bishop is, you know, John Noble, who is known for being the dickhole in Return of the King. <laughs> uh, Denethor. Um, and then Joshua Jackson as Peter Bishop, you know, from Dawson's Creek. and Mighty stuff. Ducks. Mighty Ducks, that's right. Pacey. Um, am I thinking of the right person? I think Pacey was his character in Dawson's Creek. No, no he, he, yeah, I mean, is his name Casey? Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. I, I'm like the Mighty Duck guy, and I'm blanking. <laughs> Charlie. 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 That's right. That's right. Um, he's really good. He's he uh, probably is my favorite character in the show. You also get like Lance Reddick in a great side role. Kirk Acevedo is one of my favorites across just TV in general. And he's really great in a side role in this. Um, it's just it's sci-fi at its best. It explores the genre in a really cool way. It's kind of like a love letter to the genre. Like I said, it, it pays homage to stuff like the X-Files. But like anything you can think of, like a sci-fi concept, they'll probably cover it from episode one to 100. I love that, too. It's only five seasons. And it the finale was the 100th episode, which I think has some cool, like, I don't know, like just some full circle stuff to it. I just love that it ended on 100 episodes. It's really cool. But it's just it's a really it's probably my my favorite series finale as well. Um, but yeah. There we go. The three line, a great series finale. Um, yeah, exactly. We, we love them. We're, you know, that means something to us. Um, you know, the more you talk about this show, the more I want to watch it. I remember starting maybe like back in like 2013, 2014, I don't know, like and watched the first few episodes. And then I think it was, I was like in some downtime. It was like in the winter. And I think everything else started coming back on. I forgot. I got distracted, never went back. 
but I'm, you know, I kind of got won over once I heard the word multiverse, you know, multiple mm. dimensions. Like I, I'm a sucker for that. I, I, I love the idea of what's about to happen in the MCU. I, I love anything of parallel universes. Rick and Morty does it super well and fun. Um, so I cannot wait to watch the show. This is actually the show I have queued up after this uh, very podcast to start. Hell yeah. Yep. I finished my Brooklyn Nine-Nine rewatch in like a crazy span of like two weeks. <laughs> and uh, that was super fun. And so I'm going to go a little bit more serious. And from the sounds of it, I, I'm going to love it. I love sci-fi. I love all the different concepts that you can dive into. Um, you know, the different universes, space. Um, I can't I can't wait. Um, so if you had to give a quick pitch on why someone should watch it like you know just the essential parts of like the quick the really the bare essentials of why someone should you know start the show immediately what would it be uh, um so i think y- you mentioned like multiverse was the selling point for you i acknowledge that maybe isn't everyone's cup of tea so don't let that turn you off so i would say the first season at least give that a try i would say the first season is maybe the strongest season of the show i'm partial to season three and season five but season one just it does a lot of really cool things and it's also it's very sci-fi but it's it's very grounded too it doesn't really get into like the multiverse until season late season two so season one might hook you and then you might be along for the ride for the rest of it season one is very um it feels like a born movie. Sometimes there's a lot of like espionage involved. Um, it's just, it, it's a sci-fi show, but it kind of plays with other genres really well too. And I think the biggest selling point will be the core three with Olivia Dunham, Walter Bishop and Peter Bishop, the dynamic that happens between the three of them. And I should say Walter's lab assistant, Astrid, their relationship, especially in season one is really, really cute and like kind of offbeat and funny. Um, so also let that be a selling point. The show is, I mean, very serious at points, but Walter Bishop is freaking hilarious. There's a GIF around Facebook that a lot of people use. I use it all the time. It's just him. It's from the, the pilot and it's him just going, excellent. Let's make some LSD. Uh, he says that multiple points across the show. The man loves some LSD. Um, yeah. So just give season one a try. I know it, it, the way season one starts might be a little jarring, but it's just if it hooks you in season one, you will love the show all the way to the end. I promise. All right. That's a great pitch. I love it. Like I said, I'm about to watch it. So I cannot wait. That is Kyle's second pick fringe. Um, Hit us with your third. All right. Um, So I have my sitcom pick, you know, my, my sci-fi pick this one, like I said, I was trying to go four to one. So this technically is my number two, but this might sound a little contradictory. This is probably if I had to pick a show, that just means the most to me on a personal level, it would probably be this show. Um, now there's, there's a reason it's not number one, which I'll get to when I get to number one, but it's just, I, if we're categorizing things, this is the one that just like, I think just resonates with me on a, a very deep emotional level. And it's also just really fucking funny. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with Fleabag. Um, if you've listened to this podcast for more than two episodes, you know that I, I'm obsessed with this show. Um, get out of here. Yeah, right. It's the first time he's brought it up. Um, <laughs> I love this show. It's it's created by and stars Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It's basically you know this story of this character who um, her name is Fleabag, but it's never said in the show. Um, that's kind of a, a inside joke with 
the real feet with Phoebe, you know, her family called her Fleabag growing up. And so, um, it, season, it's only two seasons. It's, uh, six episodes a season. So really short, but, um, season one is kind of about her grappling with this tragedy that just happened in her life and dealing with that. She's a very like, abrasive character and very, um, you know, cynical, but also just really funny. Um, she does the, thing that Deadpool does a lot where she breaks the third wall and kind of just talks to the audience, which is really fun. I think the show does that, you know, a lot of shows and movies do that, but I think the show does that is one of the best to do it. Um, and yeah, I think that season one is, is definitely leans more into the dark humor than season two does. Um, so if that's not your thing, I totally get it, but it's just, it's a very honest look at like what she experienced, this loss that she experienced. And, you get it. She's very just kind of blunt and honest about life. And that's what the show does best is just kind of deals with like kind of the humdrum nature of life. And, um, you know, the, 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 the mundane kind of stuff in life in a really funny way, but also in a very like poignant way. Um, the show is very human. The dynamic between her and her sister is really great. I mentioned that also in our, our friendship podcast. Um, it's not a friendship in season one at all. They really don't like each other, but when you get to season two, you get to see them kind of grow together. Um, season two is definitely the stronger season um, because you get to meet hot priest um, again, <laughs> not the character's name, but it's his credit in IMDb. The show is really weird about characters names, um, but he's played by Andrew Scott from, you know, Sherlock fame from Moriarty fame. Um, he basically, he and Fleabag have this crazy instant connection and that's what season two is about. It's really, she says it in the pilot. She looks at the camera and says, this is a love story and that's what it becomes. Um, and so while season one is a really great kind of dark humor look at just like life and like tragedy and how life sucks sometimes season two does that, but it's more about their connection and it becomes a bit of a love story. Um, I would argue uh, it's tough to say, cause I did already mention it with Nick and Jess and I forgot to mention it with Fringe. There are two characters, I won't say who, in Fringe who have a really great love story. But um, Fleabag and the priest, for as little time as we get to see them together, their chemistry is just off the charts. Like, it's just fucking perfect. Um, and the finale, just the way things turn out, if you haven't seen it, I won't say anything, but uh, it's gutting. It is, like, emotionally devastating the way things end out. And they play it perfectly. I mean, Andrew Scott and Phoebe are just at the top of their game. But the show, I just think it's a very... I've mentioned it a ton of times. It is very important to me. Um, I can't relate to everything that it does. You know, it's a very um, feminist show. And um, I can't relate to that aspect of it. But I love that it does that. It's very unapologetic about that. But I relate to a lot of like the struggles that it presents. And it just does it in a very honest and not... They don't really hold back. Uh, in that kind of way. And so I really appreciate that. I think it's just a very like emotionally honest show. I love that. Um, I do enjoy the show, but before we hear my thoughts, we're going to go to break. Planet fantasy is brought to you by planet fantasy. Have you ever wondered who would win in a fight between miss piggy and big bird? Do you ever wonder if Kermit the frog would be able to hold his own in a street fight? Well, we answer all these questions and more on episode 29, the Sesame Street Muppet Street Fight Draft. I hope you tune in and check it out.
Yo guys, we're back. Once again, back for some more picking, some more drafting. Um, and I believe we were at Kyle's pick, and he just went with our girl Fleabag. Yes. So, um, Kyle, you, you brought us a really great explanation of, you know, what it means to you and like, you know, what kind of what the show is uh, as far as the two seasons, only two season show. Um, I got to say, that's one of my favorite parts of the show. It knows yeah. what it was going to be. Of course, it's based off of her uh, stage performance, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so, of course, you know, she always had this very uh, restrained idea of what it was. And so the show is just. I think there isn't a lot of wasted time, which I really appreciate. Um, I wouldn't say I am. I love it. I would say I, I like it. It was a, a very good watch. It was very authentic and raw. Um, I like how you said it's, it's human. Uh, these people feel like someone you would actually meet on the street. Uh, they made decisions that people would make because people are selfish. People are sometimes empathetic. Sometimes people are apathetic. And, uh, you know, these characters do a really good job of, of showing that and displaying it. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is fantastic. I, I love her little smirk she does. Uh, she's infectious. Um, just a great actress. I, I really loved her performance. Uh, Hot Priest is great. Love, love that character. Um, really do, did love the uh, kind of love story between the two. I did think I loved uh, probably my favorite part of the whole show. So I did yeah. like season two a lot more than season one, mainly because season one was so full of of asshat, whatever his name was. Oh, Martin. Martin. <laughs> gotta love Martin. Such a great performance by him. But God, I hated seeing him on screen because you knew <laughs> so whatever he was going to do was just going to oh, piss someone off. And usually it was going to be me. <laughs> yeah, um, he's the worst. He is. Um, and a great performance by the mother-in-law. Oh yeah, and I also hated seeing her on screen because you're just like, oh god, just she's like the way she's looking with her eyes, so judgy. Yeah, just like, she mm. she really nails the the fake like sweetness when she's really just an absolute viper, like the real umbrage energy. Oh, she's just oh, you know, terrible. I just you just connected something for me, Kyle. The umbrage energy is also very close to the uh, the southern mama energy. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so brew on that a little, but um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I think the more I'll probably rewatch the show again at some point and get a deeper appreciation of it than I do have it do have for it now. But even now, I, I definitely respect it. It's like I've never really heard too much bad, bad critics or bad reviews about it. It's pretty great. So uh, Kyle. With this being your second favorite show, like you said, this is kind of your personal pick. You know, like I guess Boy Meets World would be my personal pick. Um, what's the, if you could narrow it to like one specific kind of thing, what makes it so personal to you? Um, I think it, I kind of mentioned it, and this is a very broad statement. So I, I hope I don't generalize too much, but I think it, it just, it really captures what it's like to be human in a very unique and very raw way that I've not really seen on a lot of shows. Um, I think that I just, you know, life is really hard sometimes and the show does not shy away from that whatsoever. Um, Phoebe is really, Fleabag is really kind of our, our 
gateway into that. Like we see through her eyes and as she interacts with the audience a lot, just how life can be really sucky sometimes. And she deals with it in a very, you know, jokey and cynical and irreverent way. But we do see like the vulnerability behind her eyes. That's a very, it's a testament to, I mean, how great of an actress Phoebe is. But yeah, I just, on a personal level like that, you know, the last year, year and a half or whatever have not been the easiest for me. Um, And this show kind of came along at a very, uh, vulnerable time in my life. I was going through a lot. And, and so watching it and seeing kind of the, some of the pain that is expressed in the show and just, just the, the experience of not having a great time and, and that kind of that season of life, it, it was very kind of cathartic for me. Um, there's a, there's a scene in season one um, where, you know, there's a, there's a side character in the show, this bank manager that um, Fleabag meets in the beginning of the show. She's trying to get a loan for her, her bakery or a cafe. Um, and a misunderstanding happens <laughs> where basically he thinks that she's coming on to him and he calls her a couple choice words. It's not a great scene, um, but they have this misunderstanding to where they just kind of are, are they don't want to associate with each other any, anymore. And then later on in the show in episode or in season one, they meet again at this kind of like, it's like this weird retreat for, I don't fully, I still don't fully understand what the purpose was for the retreat. Cause it's like a woman's retreat that she and her sister go to where there's absolutely no talking allowed. But then like at the same location, there's a men's retreat happening and they're just like, it's like an anger management thing for them. It's very strange. It's a weird, they never really kind of explained that. Kyle, um, the, the the women's retreat was all about them doing work for this person's house. Okay. That's all it was. They yeah. were trimming, they were landscaping, cleaning the walls, cleaning this, the uh, floor. They were just hired help. <laughs> That's really what it was. It was a self-help retreat, but it really wasn't. It was just someone needed their house clean. It was a bunch of selfs, a bunch of people helping the person who, who, who set up the retreat. It was genius. Yeah. <laughs> genius marketing um but anyway she, she, she's there at the retreat and she comes across this bank manager who's at the, the men's retreat and uh he kind of asks like how she's doing since she wasn't able to get the loan and how her cafe is doing and they they he talks about why he's there and they just have this really just beautiful human moment where he kind of gives this monologue and talks about like why he is where he is in life and about how he's kind of a disappointing person to his wife and his family and he just wants to like make amends and she just talks about how she, like she has this line that's kind of the defining line of season one where she just says, I just want, he says, I want to do all these. I want, I want, I want. And she just says, I just want to cry all the time. And it sounds like a very melodramatic line, but the way she delivers it, it's just got so much emotional heft to it. And it's just this beautifully like honest moment between these two people who really before this point have only interacted once. You would think they wouldn't have, I, you would think the bank manager wouldn't have showed up again. But after that, he becomes such a great side character because this is this beautiful moment of like understanding they have. And he becomes one of her kind of her biggest supporters in the show. Um, And yeah, it's just this that I think that moment, if I was to tell anyone to watch one scene from this entire show, it would be that that scene. It's it's, I think it's in episode four. Um, It's at the end of episode four. But it's just this really great. It catches you off guard. The whole episode's really funny. And then you just get this really raw, honest moment between two people just understanding each other, just understanding that, hey, you know, we had a bad run in, but we are both human beings. We're both flawed people and we understand each other now, you know? Uh, Yes, I love that. That's also one of my favorite parts of the show, their relationship, especially that scene. 
the scene in the uh, her cafe as well. I, I really like it. Um, yep, I, I really can't wait to revisit the show down the line and uh, talk about it with you some more. You know, because uh, you're going to be down to talk about this show forever. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry guys, if you're I, listening and you're tired of it, I'm just going to keep talking about when, it. When's I, the first fan fiction chapter coming out? <laughs> we'll see about that. I yeah, I wouldn't insult Phoebe's legacy like that. <laughs> oh, fan fiction is is the highest form of admiration. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> okay, okay. So that's uh, Kyle's third pick, his second overall technically. So, um, we're gonna roll with my next pick, and I guess this would be considered my sci-fi pick. Okay, my genre pick, and much like Fringe. It's uh, dealing with a bunch of great concepts. Uh, this is, of course, one of my favorite sci-fi concepts of all time. Time, as in time travel. <laughs> um, yes, I love it. And this show, I think, does it time travel better than anything I've ever personally seen. And I will stand by that until something new comes out and beats it, which, you know, I'm hoping for. I'm rooting for that. Um, I'm always rooting for better stuff to be coming out. And this show, uh, I think started in 2014, 2015. Uh, and we got four seasons of it, uh, on sci-fi. Uh, thank God they let it, uh, finish because it is of course another great series finale. <laughs> uh, personally my favorite series finale. I felt so satisfied watching it. Um, I'm talking about 12 monkeys and uh, I hope you're familiar with it. And if you're not, um, it's also the name of a, I believe 1995 movie of Mm -hmm. Bruce Willis, um, you know, where he plays, Oh man, I forget the name of the person he plays because it's different in the show. Um, Oh, okay. Yep. Sure is. Um, But he's kind of this, what they they believe he's a psych a psychotic right he's like a split personality character in the movie have you yeah. seen the movie i have it's been a really long time but i believe that's the the gist of it okay and um so the movie is not important but the show is so important to me because it it has a blending of all the genres which is honestly maybe my favorite genre Okay, if you can blend and mash genres together seamlessly from episode to episode, I I'm in. I am one over. They do mystery, drama, action, thriller. Um, it's of course sci-fi. They do horror. There's some really creepy, scary parts in the show. Um, but of course, okay, let me tell you exactly what about the show. Okay, so we have the year 2043. And the world is pretty much decimated. I think 7 billion people died from this crazy virus. Okay? Crazy, right? <laughs> uh, you know, Sounds familiar? <laughs> yeah. Kind of surreal now thinking about what's happened this past year. What's happening now. But this, this virus is much worse. It literally kills like almost all the population. And the rest of the population... Um, and of course, this, this happened in 2015. Right? Yes. No, I'm sorry. 2017. 2017 is when this virus hits. Um, And then from then to the year 2043, where our story starts, um, 
pretty much everyone that's surviving is pretty much everyone's dying off from radiation and just, you know, not radiation, I'm sorry, but the effects of the evolving mutation of the plague and the virus. So there's this uh, physicist who's uh, essentially helped uh, create this time traveling thing, this program. And she's trying to find the person to go send back in time. And she chooses James Cole, who just miraculously stumbles upon her, her facilities. Uh, she chooses him because the name rings familiar because of a recording she's found all the way back from 2015 from a scientist, uh, Cassie, a Dr. Cassandra Cassie Riley, um, who was, I think, one of the leaders of the uh, task force on, for the to fight the virus. And the recording mentioned James Cole. So James Cole sent back in time to uh, try to help and figure out a way to stop this uh, virus from happen happening. And uh, essentially from there, we get this completely crazy tale of time travel um, throughout the ages, throughout centuries and decades. We get a love story that is one of my absolute favorites. It's It pulls in my heartstrings every time. Uh, we get great friendships. We get great uh, plot lines and mysteries. And some of the twists are just insane, Kyle. Like, they are some of my favorites. You never really know what's going to happen in this show. But when it happens, you're always like, oh, wow, that that's why that, that that's why this happened. And then or even they'll show you what led up to it. And it just makes perfect sense. It's not like one of those. Oh, well, I guess I guess I can see it if, you know, if I kind of look past this. Nope, none of that. It's because this happened. It, it, it's so beautiful oh, and, and it just makes everything so satisfying at the conclusion. Every episode really means something. Um, and you can have a lot of fun in the middle of this, these, uh, this series because there's so much like time traveling shenanigans that like, you know, it's, it's almost like you're watching legends of tomorrow with like a lot of better writing. <laughs> and, uh, so and then you're getting into this crazy dramatic thriller of, you know, got to get here in time and and try to figure out who the witness is, who's the leader of the 12 monkeys, the group who is essentially behind the virus. Mm-hmm. And that's just pretty much fueling this whole series. And it's fantastic. I, I love it. I love 12 monkeys. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, this is, I love this. I'm so in the similar boat as, as you with fringe. Um, so since we recorded this the first time I've seen the first two episodes, um, I'm already hooked. Uh, Cole is such a already like such an interesting protagonist. I want to know like more of what's going on with him. I haven't seen a lot of, you know, him in, in what the show would call present day. It's gone a lot to 20, I guess it's 2013 or 15. That's right. Um, so uh I already love the dynamic between him and Cassie. Um I can tell that's going to be a huge thing in the show. Um you definitely hooked me with time travel and love story. Like that that's all I need uh cuz time travel I'm just an absolute sucker for. We're definitely going to be hitting you guys with a, a time travel podcast very soon. Um and yeah, it's just such a it's a device that I I can't help but love. Maybe it's overused. I don't know. I don't, honestly personally don't care. I think anytime it's done in a show or a movie, I'm always more interested in the in in that show or movie. Um, 
And it seems like what this, what I've heard from not only you, but from a lot of people that this show is probably one of the best to do it. Um, just the way they, they handle. And I'm glad that you mentioned that it really takes advantage of that and goes to a ton of different like time periods, because that's a bummer about some time travel stuff is that like you get to see time travel, but you don't get to see them just go everywhere. Right. Um, that's one of the few things I'm glad you mentioned legends of tomorrow, not a great show, but I do love that about that show is that they take full advantage of that. Like they go everywhere, every win I should say. Um, and I'm excited for that with this show. Um, yeah, I've seen, I've seen the 95 movie. It's been a long time. I don't remember being particularly like impressed by it. Um, I, I thought Bruce Willis was great in it. Who, by the way, his name is James Cole in that movie. Um, oh, okay. Just, just, I completely forgot it because again, it's not a super memorable movie. He and Brad Pitt are good, but it's just, yeah. Oh, and was, so I, was Brad Pitt the person who was kind of un- unstable then? I think. Yes, yes, he was the one. Yeah, Cole was still like a a, a thief okay. in the movie. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, I mean, they, they were good, but I just remember, I, I I think this show is the perfect example of what a remake should be or a reboot. Like if there's a if there's a concept, a story that is a great idea, but not necessarily the best execution, that's like the best kind of thing to remake. Right. And so I, I'm glad that they did. I love that it's on sci fi. You know, sci fi really ranges in quality, but I love that they really go for it with concepts. I mean, sci fi has got some of the weirdest movies and shows and i love that i mean that's where <laughs> that's where the pinnacle of cinema exists uh the sharknado movies um oh so, yeah those are, those <laughs> are great i've seen a total of one it's, it's all you need uh they're all the same movie um <laughs> 12 monkeys is in good company with that but uh no i'm i'm super excited to keep diving into this one um you know what with you doing fringe after this one i am probably going to watch a couple more episodes of 12 monkeys after we finish recording because i'm really intrigued already please I'm do glad. i want to hear your thoughts yeah i uh i might I might steal damon's idea of a recap because i already want to start talking about this show so once i finish season one there might be a recap posted somewhere um <laughs> but uh yeah it's it's a great start i'm already really intrigued i also want to say too, aaron what's his name aaron stanford as cole he's really good and i'm glad that he like has this lead role because other than this, I remember him as Pyro in the X-Men movies. Um, but other than that, I really, I don't think I've seen him in anything. And ap- after watching this, I'm like, wow, this guy's a great leading man. I'd love to see him in, in more stuff. So yeah, I'm very excited. Yes. Um, and I, I, I have to mention like some of the supporting characters that I, I think really make the show. Uh, of course there's Jennifer Goins, who is uh, the essentially the Brad Pitt character. If you're familiar with the movie, uh, played by Emily Hampshire of Shit's Creek fame. Mm. Stevie. Have, yeah, so you know, so you haven't met her yet, but oh, uh, yeah, she was at the very end of episode two. Oh, you have the, oh, oh, great. I, she is my absolute favorite character. Oh, okay. Perfect. I love her. Um, you know, she's supposedly this unstable math genius with ties to the 12 monkeys and you get so much mileage from her. Um, you never really know what, it's going to happen. Uh, she there's, she's unstable for a reason. There's, there's something going on and it, the explanation just blows my mind. It's going to blow your mind. Just, I love it. Uh, there's Jose Ramsey, who is Cole's best friend, um, played by of course, Kirk Acevedo, who, uh, Kyle mentioned as in French, mm-hmm. he is brilliant in this. He plays such a great, uh, ambiguous character, you know, someone who's just really real and just does what needs to be done. 
for for himself and for the people he cares about. There's Theodore Deacon, um, played by Todd Shash- Stashwick. Hmm. Um, you know, he's the leader of the brutal pack of scavengers that was, uh, I think, chasing Cole and Ramsey at the beginning of the first episode, or like who they were running away from. Um, okay. They're they're just kind of really savage and and ruthless. I, I and it's just uh, they're going to end up being a pretty big part of the show as well. And Deacon is is just kind of this Negan type character, but a lot a lot funner, a lot better. Mm, okay, interesting. Yep. And then of course you know you have Katarina, the the physicist, who I think gives us some of the most emotional parts of the show. Like. Whew, just wait, wait, Kyle. Oh, everybody, <laughs> until you see what happens with her in season three. It, it, I love it. Um, so yeah, I love 12 monkeys. I, I recommend it to everybody. It might be my favorite show. Wow. Okay. Awesome. So I believe that uh, leads us up to, is that my next pick then? Right? Yeah. That'll take us to your, your final, uh, your final pick. Oh, all right then. So, just to recap at home, um, I started right off with Boy Meets World and Scrubs, and then I just uh, picked 12 Monkeys. So for this next one, for this backpedaling category business, <laughs> this would be my animated pick. I love cartoons. I love animation. Um, I think it's important to be represented and talked about and valued. It's just as good and just as great as any live action stuff, you know, anything that, uh, that can, you know, I think animation honestly gives you so much more to play with. Uh, you can do a lot more. The limit is almost, it's almost limitless really what you can do, uh, just your imagination and your skill. And so for this one, this show is just absolutely one of my favorites. It blends, uh, a mythology, I, I'm a sucker for uh, world creation and world building, and this world is rich and fun. And as the episode episodes go on, you learn more and more. Uh, I, I'm going to buy all the comics and the books that come with it. And of course, I'm talking about Avatar: The Last Airbender. Awesome! Yes, it is fantastic. Uh, it, it just recently hit a big surge of popularity when it got on Netflix. You know, Netflix has that just. It's crazy the pull Netflix has now that <laughs> yeah. when something pops up that maybe, you know, you've heard about before, you, you'll just go and give it a chance because you have Netflix. It's it's there. You're going to watch it. Um, That's and, what happened with me. That's how I saw it for the first time. Hell yeah. And I'm so glad you did. Um, and of course, there's the sequel series, Legend of Korra, which Kyle is watching currently needs to finish. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Bells of shame. Bells of shame. Bells of shame. You hear them. You hear them ringing. <laughs> We're going to put that in post. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, but Avatar, if, if anyone's not familiar, you're in, you just go watch it, please. But it's about the story of Aang, the Avatar, who is able to control all four elements. Um, and it's just brilliant storytelling. Um, he's was stuck in an iceberg essentially for a hundred years because he was scared of this war that was happening from the fire nation. And when he wakes up, it's the war's over, but the fire nation is still in control and it's not a world that he wants to live in, you know? So him along with the two people that find him, a uh, brother and sister, Katara and Sokka, they go on this adventure to stop the fire nation essentially. 
And from there, it, it never really turns away from that. That's always what the show is about. Um, but it's so much more than that. It's about Aang discovering his his destiny. It's his journey and and what he means to people and what he, you know, it's about him accepting it, that and what he isn't willing to accept, you know, like he still gets to choose his own life. Um, but, you know, this show is is very meaningful and emotional, but it is full of action and comedy. It's it is a kid's show. But is it a kid show? I mean, it's it's it gets pretty intense sometimes. Uh, the fight, oh, yeah. I mean, the fighting is a uh, full of martial arts. It has actual uh, fighting styles from I believe um, from different parts in Asia. I cannot think of the different ones. I should have written them down. Um, I wish my girl Connie was on the episode so she could tell me. But <laughs> um, it's just really authentic in that way. The voice acting is great. I love it. Um, and I love the adventure. Um, they're always going somewhere different, uh, especially uh, like I, I love when they go to Bossing Say. It's one of my favorite cities in all of Avatar. Um, there is no war in Bossing Say. There is no war in Bossing Say. <laughs> that you know, I I really wish Binge Mode could do Avatar because yeah. before uh, they hang it up, because to hear Jason say there is no war in Bossing Say. <laughs> and just add it to his his amazing quotes, you know, along with Hogwarts, no no safer place in Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah. is it's just I need it. Give me. I don't know that. about you, but I want to hear his cabbage guy impression. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yes, I would love it. Uh, the cabbage guy is is one of my favorite recurring lines through the whole show. Um, not to mention the show has one of the best fi- uh, fictional songs ever. Secret mm-hmm. Tunnel. Yes. Secret Shout out to Anna. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you got one of my favorite characters of all time, Uncle Iroh, you know, the dragon of the West, um, you know, who's now just this kind of really gentle tea drinking guy who just wants to take care of his, his really hot headed nephew. <laughs> Uh, our boy Zuko, who has the best redemption arc of all time, of all yep. time, I think. Like I, I gotta, I don't, I can't think of anyone else really done that well. And just watch the show if you haven't, and you'll you'll agree. Um, such a great character. He he really wants to be respected and and do right by his dad, but he starts really learning what is and isn't right, and he learns that's more important than than you know family because you know the family is who you choose you know and he chooses his and it's it's a great thing to see i absolutely love this show i love all the characters and side characters the like the action scenes are just i could go on and on there's jet who's an asshole and <laughs> and then he redeems himself too that's awesome and it's it's just a lot there's a lot going on and of course there's a sequel series which i think is just as good um so Avatar The Last Airbender is my fourth pick. Here at Planet Fantasy, we love potatoes in all kinds of forms, but especially in the fry. If you love fries and you love to load them with anything from chili to five different kinds of cheese to salsa to brisket to pulled pork, then head on down to the high fry where you can be sure to get high on fries. 
Alrighty, and we are back from break, guys. Damon just broke down his um, his final pick, which is Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, and what a show, dude! Uh, great way to round out your top four. That's a solid top four. And this is, yeah, this is such a great show. I'm so, like I mentioned, I was one of the people who, you know, I had never seen it when it aired on Nick. Um, and I was kicking myself for that when I finally got to watch it on Netflix. It's such a good show. You talked about how it, you know, it's an animated show, but it's not, I mean, it's really not a kid's show. Like it, this show is very much like just a story about war and it like you get themes of like genocide and abuse and trauma. Like it, it deals with some pretty heavy shit. Um, but there is definitely always like humor at the core of that. Um, the dynamic between Aang and, and Katara and, uh, you know, um, Sokka. I love Toph. I actually, no kidding, not even because we were recording, honestly, but before we started recording, I was watching YouTube compilations of all of Toph's greatest roasts because she's, she's just the best. I mean, all of her blind jokes are so funny. Um, what might this is going to sound crazy but what might be my favorite moment in the entire series is when uh i forget the episode i mean i've only seen the series once but they all fall into this dark hole and Sokka's like oh god it's so dark i can't see and Toph is just like what what's that like <laughs> oh no that's terrible <laughs> that must be terrible yeah it's it's so good she's a savage um but the, yeah the show is just oh man it's so good i mean talk about continuing the theme right of incredible finales like the finale to this show is so good some of the best action in the show for sure um and i i agree i think that we've gone back and forth or at least i have but i definitely think there's not an argument zuko is the best redemption arc ever done um you know i i, I think that there are a lot of comparisons to the to his arc and to what they tried to do with kylo ren in the the sequel trilogy um i I, I would say it's kind of an unfair comparison because those are three movies and this is a, a series where you get much more time with the character. But I definitely think that like where they fail and where the last airbender really succeeds with Zuko is that we get to see every phase of the redemption arc. Like we see he starts out as just this guy who is hell bent on destroying the avatar, right? Like he, and that's his entire motivation, but it's also his entire motivation is drawn in his relationship with his father and proving himself. And, we get to see the turn, but we don't, he doesn't immediately, he doesn't immediately turn. And then is like on team avatar, we have to see the fallout for all the bad things he's done. And so like him dealing with the consequences of his actions and then having to earn the trust of team avatar that like really took me aback the first time I watched the show. I was like, wow, this is dealing with his arc in an incredibly precise and thorough way. And I love that. Like they treated it with such care and respect and he ends up being my favorite character. I mean, it's him or Iroh, but I think at the end of the day, he's just such a rich and complex character. Um, yeah, but this is just, it's such a fun show. Like I said, it's, it's really great. It's got a lot of themes, but it's also just super funny. Sokka is hilarious. Um, I, I just love all of his interactions really with all the characters, but yeah, just every everything that he does makes me laugh. Um, and he's also he himself does a lot of growing too. I mean, he he definitely matures as the show goes on. Um, but yeah, this is this is a really really solid final pick. Thank you. I'm glad you mentioned that about Sokka. I mean, he goes from like being like this kind of sexist older brother, like kind of a I wouldn't say the humor. Like he he was he was there for humor, but he was just. 
he was, you know, kind of there to be the uh, devil's advocate of the group. You know, he was kind of like making sure he didn't want to really do everything that they wanted to do. He was very reluctant. But, um, you know, from that, we go all the way to him becoming a sword master and a a master planner. Like he, he knows how to put together a plan. He's very strategic um, and he can hold his own in a battle. Like it, it's great to see our boy grew up. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I love that. I love Iro. I love Katara. Katara is a bad ass. I think she yeah. honestly is like maybe the most talented bender. One of the most talented benders in the whole series, mm-hmm. you know, right there with Toph even like, honestly, like she was a master at, at what? 12 years old. Right. A yeah. waterbending master. Yeah. It's insane. Just, and you know, like, of course, like you think of that as easy for like, say the avatar, but damn, like Katara, there's no more chilling scene than when she freezes all the water. Oh yeah. In that episode. Yeah. That's insane. You're like, guitar is about to kill somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It gets real. (laughs) Season three, ain't no joke. And I will say just for our love of Toph and if this will get you keep going on legend of Korra faster, you will see Toph. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, I was hoping I would. Okay, awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. It, it's tough. It's tough. It's <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, did you have any other thoughts or things you wanted to ask me for for my pick? Uh, so what's your, you know, like, I'm glad you mentioned this has kind of had a surge of popularity since Netflix. But for those out there, like, if you're listening, and you still haven't seen this for whatever reason, like, what's your what's your pitch for diving into this show? Hmm. Okay. Um, if you like an adventure show, if you like a gr- a show that has a kind of a group of underdogs uh, trying to get something done, a quest, you like that classic iconic quest mentality, you'll love this show. And it's full of, of humor. It's full of great fight scenes. So many great fight scenes. So many different types of styles that you get to see in action. And I mean, I didn't even say it, but like I assumed everyone knows, you know, you get to see people bending elements, fire, water, air, earth. Um, and it's so fun seeing it uh, done in such creative ways. Um, I think Legend of Korra does it in even more creative ways than Avatar. I, I really love that about a Legend of Korra. You see how they innovate and evolve over the years of time. Mm. You, know, uh, you see, yeah. of course with Toph, she creates metal bending. Right. It's so badass. And you see the evolution of that in legend of Korra. I, I love it. So it, it's just a, that I would have to say that it's just action packed, funny, great classic adventure tale um, with tons of heart. Nice. I love that. And I can't wait for it to be adapted into a movie someday. Oh, definitely hasn't happened yet. No, but it, of course, I, I would be remiss to say it is being made by Netflix into a TV show, live action. Oh, are they doing a TV show? Oh, did you not know about that, Kyle? So I thought there was a movie, but I didn't realize they were doing a show. Okay, so Netflix, okay, for everyone at home and for Kyle, we uh, Netflix uh, picked it up a couple years ago, and they've been working on the script. Uh, they are creating a TV show of the live action Avatar. Okay, so the idea is that they were maybe going to be adding different extra scenes you know things that they weren't able to add or they wanted to add instead um you know and then we get 
it just in a more authentic live action format, which has its pros and cons. And of course it was tied with the direct, with the creators themselves. Uh, who's it? D Martino and uh, dang it. I'm blanking on their names. Um, Kanitsko, I think. Um, I think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably butchering it. Um, Kanitsko. Yeah, you got it. But they are, they were tied to it. They were going to, you know, help develop the scripts and everything, but they apparently couldn't come to agreements because Netflix probably wanted to uh, maybe mature it up some. Mm. And they, I don't think they were down for it. So they left the, the project, but it's still going forward. So, okay. Who's to say what will happen, but it is happening. The show. Well, I'm very cautiously optimistic about that. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's never been done in live action. That's never happened. No, nope. you know, definitely not. that, that movie. And whenever that was, that didn't happen. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, obviously jokes aside, I think it'll be better than that. And they have a low bar, but yeah, we'll see. I wonder who they're going to go with for, for um, showrunners. Yeah, I, I knew that that I knew about that part, like that the showrunners had dropped out. I just thought it was a movie they were making. Oh, the yeah, yeah, the live action series. That's that's interesting, and we'll see. Yes. So that is my last pick, guys. Um, uh, those are four shows that I stand by. They they kind of speak of about me and what I love and relate to, and enjoy what like entertains me more than anything. Right. So, Kyle, what is your number one show, your fourth pick? Tell them um, at home. Okay, so yeah, going back to the categories, you know, I've got my sitcom pick, I've got my sci-fi pick, and my just like the the personal pick, right? The one that resonates with me on a personal level. So this one, you know, we both obviously, if you've listened to maybe w- more than one podcast, you know that we are both diehard comic book fans, comic book movie fans. We just love the superhero genre. Um, so I had to go for something um, comics related. Um, now I uh, I am partial to DC comics. Uh, if we're talking movies, obviously I think the MCU dominates the DC EU. I don't think that's in question, but as far as like just comics and characters in general, I definitely lean more towards DC. And so this show just gives everything, gives me everything I need in adapting a DC character. Um, it's a DC character that uh, I would never say is underrated because that's insane, but is a character that maybe gets shit on a lot because he's not handled very cor- correctly. Um, uh, you know, like a lot of people just find the character very boring, which is totally fair. I have too. In fact, I found the character very boring before I got into the show. This show is really what gave me a bigger appreciation of the character. I am of course talking about the DC classic Batwoman. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Smallville. Of course it's Smallville. Um, I've mentioned the show a lot in this show on this podcast. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, it's not a Superman show. It's a, it's a Clark Kent show, but it, it ranges 10 seasons. Um, it goes from, you know, his freshman year in high school, even though he's got the Tobey Maguire effect and he looks like he's 30 years old when the show starts, um, <laughs> ranges from, yeah, freshman year of high school all the way to, uh, you know, he, he is, a, an adult, uh, and working at the daily planet, like the Clark Kent we know in, in season 10. Um, and, First of all, I think that's one of the biggest strengths of the show, finding him at that point in his life because he's not yet Superman. And so he's not yet the perfect kind of Boy Scout that people... That's one of the biggest reasons people find Superman so boring and why people tune out is because he's not really... There's not a lot to relate to with a character like that. 
And with this version of Clark, he is very much still a teenager and very much still a flawed character and goes through the same struggles that like a lot of people did in high school. I mean, he, he has girl troubles with, you know, first Lana Lang and then Lois Lane. And he, he's kind of a, an awkward character in high school and he's very much still in his shell and all the while he's still discovering his powers. So it's like they make him a very um, relatable character, which I think cracks the code of how to write Superman right? Like he is a very overpowered character, but if you get to why he is the way he is and what makes him tick and like the relatable parts of him, that's when you get some really great Superman content. Um, and yeah, the show is just, I think more than just being a Superman adjacent show, it nails what it, what I love about a comic book property and that it's just fun and it's sincere and it like doesn't allow itself to be too serious. I think with certain, uh, shows or properties that's appropriate with something like you know batman or daredevil a more serious tone is to be expected but with superman you know bring the cheese right (laughs) bring the corniness especially with him being in high school i mean the years when he's in high school are some of the best parts of the show because you get stuff like i won't say his full name because i can never remember it but your villain in your superman movie mr mixie it's a pillow yeah that one (laughs) uh he shows up in one episode he's like a high school he's a transfer student at smallville high um and the episode is pure nonsense it's bananas but it's so fun um and that's when the show is at its strongest is when it really lets itself just be a comic book show and be ludicrous and ridiculous but if you're a dc fan you'll also love the show because i mean there are so many dc characters that show up um and are done like i hate to use the pun done justice um but Oliver Queen is great. He kind of plays a bit of a Batman role in this show. He's kind of the yin to Clark's yang in a lot of ways. Lex Luthor is obviously, I mean, Michael Rosenbaum, his incarnation of, of Lex is definitely my favorite. Um, you get all kinds of villains and side characters, but it just for 10 seasons, which also is a, a testament to how good it is. Like for 10 seasons, it stayed strong. It wavers a little bit in points, but I would say seasons nine and 10 are its best, uh, seasons because it that those are just like the dc uh, the dc uh overload in in those two seasons you get zod and you get all these crazy dc characters um but for 10 seasons it just sticks to that spirit of like clark growing up and becoming superman it's never a superman show He, he you really never see the suit until the finale and even then it's in brief moments and so they definitely stuck by that which i can respect and admire um And yeah, I just think that it nails a character who is very mishandled a lot in movies and TV shows. He's very just he's not written in a way that's accessible or relatable. And this show kind of gets to the heart of why he is such an iconic character. I couldn't agree more. Um, This is a great pick. This is so on brand for you, of course. (laughs) Um, I mean, this is this is your favorite show. And I've heard you talk about it so much and. I know I love it because I don't ever want you to stop. It's one of my favorite DC properties. Definitely my favorite Superman. Yeah. Um, hands down. Um, I, I, you know, was growing up. I was like, a. this came out in what? 2001 to start 2000. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was like nine, 10 years old and I was like, sign me up, you know, Superman. I was not jaded by like the oversaturation and just the, I, the kind of the, Growing up being like, oh, Superman's too much power. Like, I was a kid. I was like, he can do so much stuff. He's awesome, you know? Right, right. 
And then seeing Smallville happen, it's like he's kind of just learning everything. You know, he's kind of getting, still getting his legs. He isn't able to fly yet. You know, he he learns he's able to see through uh, walls. Like you know, I think what mid season two or so, maybe mm-hmm. season one at some point. But it's like not at first. Like he, we're seeing him grow and learn these things. Um, and I, I love I love that. You know, seeing kind of a a rookie. Superman, uh, Clark, you know, what, what did they call him in the show? Blur. Yeah. He, when he, towards the end of the show, he starts to like, you know, work in Metropolis, but he's not Superman. So he calls himself the blur. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that one. He should have workshopped a little bit more there. With, um, <laughs> with yeah. Oh yeah. It's not um, great. But I, I love, I loved uh, Tom Welling's performance as Clark, like very vulnerable, very authentic, very kind. He showed like, the best part of what I think Clark Kent and Superman is, is, is a compassionate person, like a person who, who does what he does because he cares about people, you know, like instilled to him from his parents, from good old Martha. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it's a meme now, but I, I love Martha and, uh, Oh dang! What is Mister What Mister Kent's name? I can't. Jonathan. Jonathan. Yes, of course. John Kent. Like I, I love the the relationship they have with Clark. Yeah. So vital to the show, and it really shows you why he's Superman. It 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 shows you how important they are to him. It shows you the values he learned on this farm in in Smallville, Kentucky, right? Kansas, Kansas, what Kansas, Kentucky, right? Yeah. It wouldn't be in Kentucky, <laughs> Kentucky. Um, no shade of Kentucky guys. I've, I've just never been there, <laughs> but I, I love everything about the show. And I, I haven't told you yet, Kyle, I think, but I'm going to be doing a re- rewatch and recap of this show too this year. Hell yeah. I'm so in for it. <laughs> yes. It's been forever. Like I haven't watched it since it was coming on TV growing up. Like this was appointment TV, you know, the, I think this was on WB. Mm-hmm. So like, and then yeah, before it became on- the CW. Yep, it would come on like Friday nights, and this was when like there was no DVR for the first like six, seven years of this, or like we couldn't afford it. Rather, I should say. Um, so like I had to watch it when it came on. So I had like had to be in front of TV. I, I was waiting for it. I was ready, you know. Especially those first few seasons was like kind of like the the uh, freak of the week. Is mm. that what they called them? Right? What did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, Meteor freak. <laughs> Meteor freak. So so man great 2000s right there <laughs> very, yeah. not very sensitive but uh <laughs> i love that i loved watching just the different kinds of uh people that popped up from the meteor and and how they explained that and and then we getting everybody from the different superheroes aquaman you know thad from blue mountain state great mm-hmm. uh like you mentioned oliver queen um i i love it i love lana i love lois I think Lois was was maybe my favorite Lois and Lex is maybe the best character in the whole show. Yeah. Like I would I would say so. I mean, we talked about Zuko having like the best redemption arc. I think the opposite. I think Luke ha- I mean Luke Lex uh Lex has one of the best like Freudian slip there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he has one of the best um like fall falls from grace, like the opposite of a redemption arc. You know, he starts out as like really like best buddies with Clark Clark saves his life in the pilot. Um, and they're really close friends, but Lex, you know, his fatal flaw is that he's just too 
power hungry and too curious. And he's always trying to find out if Clark is like more than what he says he is. And it really drives a rift between a rift between them. And there's a very specific episode. Um, I, you know, I don't know who hasn't seen this show, who's interested in it. So I won't say what happens, but uh, he does something to something, someone close to him. And it really, he's already headed down a dark path, but that moment in the show, I think it's season seven. Um, just, you, you know, he's becoming the Lex Luthor that we know in the comics and for ten, for, uh, close to 10 seasons, we just, we see that happen so beautifully. They just lay it out so well. And Rosenbaum is just, oh, he's so good as Lex. He, he really is. And of course our boy Kyle got to talk to him on, on Instagram. That's right. Yeah. He, great. Yeah. He does these, these live Instagram lives, uh, to, really to promote his podcast, but I, you know, got to talk to him for a second and of course promoted this one. So if you're out there, Rosie, thanks for listening. <laughs> oh man. Um, I love this pick. I mean, it, it, it's, it really encompasses what Superman is all about and what I enjoy about Superman the most. Um, I did like watching Man of Steel because I also can separate myself from and be like, this is a different tale. This is a different story. Um, it's right. a creative choice. And it wasn't bad. Like, I actually own a copy of it, but it's, but like, when you think of Superman, you don't think of that Superman, though. Right. But it's, a, it's, you know, wasn't bad. But I think of the, the very compassionate and heartwarming Superman, the Clark Kent that is always going to, be smiling in the face of adversity and not grimacing. (laughs) So I I love it. So who, let's see, what would you say was the strongest season of Smallville off the top Mm -hmm. of your head? It's really close between seasons nine and 10, which again, I I think is really strong for the show to get that far and to still be that high in quality. But I got to say season 10, because so season nine has Zod as the big bad, which is really fun. He's a great actor. Uh, Callum Blue, he's like a dead ringer for David Tennant. So for the first couple episodes of season nine, I was like, is that is that David Tennant? Um, it's not. But <laughs> uh, in season 10, yeah, I got to go season 10 because it like it really ramps up like the OK, we're towards the end of the show. We've got to give you pretty much every DC character we've left out so far. So you get like booster gold in an episode. I mean, you get some real deep cuts and it's so fun. You get the, I mean, the justice league is formed far before that. They're kind of the show's version of the justice league is formed in like season five, I think, but season 10 is like them all working together and fighting together. And I mean, it's a 2010 CW budget. So the way they do the conflict at the end is not great, but they do what they what they had to work with and uh, yeah i think season 10 just wraps the show up so so well so yeah that's good to hear but now all i can think about is david Tennant is zod <laughs> right like what a weird i mean i i would be into it just because i i love him and everything but what a weird role that would be <laughs> random jump tangent guys let's do this uh where does david Tennant go in the dc universe and where does he go in the marvel universe Ooh, that's a great call because it's only a matter of time. Like he has I mean, to. Of be. course, technically, he was already in the Marvel universe. Oh right, he was Killgrave. Kill yeah. yeah, which um, was really amazing character. Yeah, one of the most disturbing villains. Um, okay, let's see. DC. I would probably go. Okay, this is maybe not a new. A lot of people have said this, but I think he'd make a great Riddler. Um, maybe a more serious take on the character, like a bit more of like a Zodiac killer type Riddler. Uh, but I think he'd be really good. And then Marvel, oh, it's tough. 
Um, give <laughs> give me your DC one while I think about Marvel. Okay, that's fair. Uh, for DC, that's tough. I don't know nearly as many characters in DC um, as I do Marvel, but you know, let's stick maybe with like the Batman robe. So let's maybe go with like a Scarecrow. Hmm. That would be really good. I think he'd be a really good scarecrow. Yeah. Um. Okay. From Marvel, I think he would be. I don't want to keep going villain, so I'm trying to think of like a good hero. Maybe like Adam Warlock. I know they're trying to set that huh. up with, you know, okay. Guardians. Guardians Two had that teaser at the end. I don't know if they're still doing that, honestly, but they better. James Gunn's pretty good about about you know tying up stuff you know everything that's said and shown right yeah because i know he was like he's a big part of the infinity war story in the comics so that's what i was expecting um but I, yeah if they bring him in i think david Tennant would be an interesting choice i don't know a ton about the character but i could see him kind of be playing that he's he's a really interesting actor i don't think he is like the conventional like leading man type so it's just hard to place him but i don't know what I, about you i have the perfect one bro you ready for that oh, okay okay Dr. Octavius. Oh my God. What a, oh, what a swerve. I didn't even consider that. That's like him wow. and Holland on scream together. Like him, like being a mentor to, to Pete, like now after a uh, Tony. Mm, yeah. Mm. Holy shit. That's incredible. Cause like a lot of people have said like Mark Hamill, which looks like the more comic type doctor, but this is a really great because we don't have a younger Spider-Man, so we kind of need a younger Doc Ock. Right, um, exactly. You know, we have a younger Aunt May and everything. So, yeah, that's oh man, that's a wow. I'm impressed, dude. That's a great pick. All right, well, you know, we had to get some Marvel in there, even though we didn't pick any. <laughs> but <laughs> that, you know, those are two great draft boards right there, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, we covered some some great genres, some great acting performances. Um, some great theme songs. Um, <laughs> any last thoughts on all these, man? Who do you think uh, has a better board? You, you go rolling with yourself. Uh, yeah, this is it's interesting. Last week with Thad was one of the the rare episodes where I cared about who won. <laughs> um, well, you, it was, you, you won. <laughs> I hope so, man. I, I don't win a lot of these, but it was purely argument based. And with this, I mean, this is just our personal kind of like the film festival. So like I... I don't know. I think I think yours has a good chance just because of the last airbender. Um, that's so like prevalent in people's minds right now that might win people over that along with Scrubs because Scrubs has a sneaky, like very avid fan base right now. So with like the, the one two punch of those two could really sell it for you. That's true. Where I'm scared and worried is 12 monkeys is like known to like nobody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mentioned it and I really have not ran into anybody that's seen it right yeah so, and that's that's fringe for me so we both went with the obscure pick and they're both side people who have seen fringe you know that's true yeah but that's fair um but you also have fleabag which is one of the more talked about shows of the last few years new girl who is definitely one of the most popular like sitcoms comedies of the last 10 years mm-hmm and smallville i think has its own little cult following you know maybe not as strong but uh, I think it's there. I don't know. I think it's going to be pretty close, but I, I don't know. Avatar might definitely get me this. I will say. Yeah, that's going to be the one. <laughs> it's just I think it's just timing. I mean, it's definitely a strong pick. Like I I applaud that, but also just timing. Like people are just not like everyone's talking about it right now. So that's 
that might be the one to to win it for you. <laughs> well, okay, so these are our four picks. Uh, were there any that you almost went with, or any that you just would like to mention as as ones that you really thought hard and long about? Title, of this yeah. Pick? I mean, you know, four is a small number. Uh, there was a lot of alternates. I mean, I could have. I talked about the sitcom. I could have gone with Scrubs. I also considered How I Met Your Mother briefly. Um, we've talked about that show a lot. And it's just between that and New Girl, I think the thing I mentioned about like cynicism and New Girl being optimistic just won it over for me. Um, and then between like the comic book shows, I was really torn between Smallville and Daredevil. Um, Daredevil, I just think is, man, it's on another level. For all three seasons, it's like peak MCU content, I would say. Um, and then... Uh, I also considered briefly the show psych, um, which is a really, that would be another kind of like obscure. It's not as obscure, but one of the lesser known kind of comedy slash procedurals out there. Really, really great crime comedy show. But, uh, yeah. What about you? Um, so I've been like referencing it all, all draft, but Brooklyn nine, nine, uh, like I said, just finished, uh, just finished it mm, like yeah. the seventh, eighth time. I love that show. And I feel like if if I didn't just want to load up on comedy, I would have gone, you know, would have done it. But, you know, I wanted to be a little bit more balanced and showing who I am. But I almost almost went with it instead of Avatar. It was really close. Like, even though we already, you know, like we said, we kind of had to redo the draft. Uh, I almost just changed it all up and twisted it, you know. So that and of course, you know, New Girl uh, also just recently rewatched that. Uh hadn't seen it since it aired. So I just, Oh yeah, I need to see it more. I just need to rewatch a lot more episodes, which is going to be happening um, before I really can feel like it's that personal to me. Um, Right. But then as well, I wanted to mention, you know what? That was really about the only ones that I was really considering. Um, And then I felt like there's kind of a little bit of a gap to everything else. And then there's one I know we both love that could be in like a top 10 or something. Community is one that we w- I'm sure we both want to shout out because that's a really, really solid show. I, I just saw it for the first time this past year and I already started rewatching episodes that I like. That's a very big sign of, of me really digging a show. So yeah. I've like rewatched The Fistful of paint, Paintballs, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. multiple times. <laughs> such a good, such a good episode. Um, all right, then. Um, so I guess we would be in agreement that maybe the MVP pick would be the avatar pick. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm, I'm mad. I didn't take it because I've, yeah, I've only seen it once and it's very, very recent. So I'd have to rewatch it, but yeah, you great job with that pick. <laughs> and I will say also, I want to also mention a show that I feel like could end up being on, on here one day. Uh, if it keeps going strong, cause I absolutely love everything about it. Um, is the dragon prince. Oh, great call. Yeah, we're only three seasons in, but it's it's solid so far. Yeah, fantastic. And we're getting more. So, all right, then. Um, well, if y'all at home have any thoughts and opinions, uh, ideas on on, you know, future draft ideas that you want to tell us, uh, please hit us up at planet.fantasypod at gmail.com. Follow us on IG at planet.fantasy. And uh, yeah, just let us know whatever you're thinking, uh, who you think won, who lost, and uh, we hope to hear from you. Kyle, any last thoughts? 
No, man, that's it. We we're excited to bring you guys some some fun episodes in the future. We've got another Harry Potter one coming up next. Um, it's going to be really unique. We're having a good friend uh, Dom on the show, so can't wait for you to get for you guys to hear that one. See you guys.